0: Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, my name is Nolan Picknell. With me as always is my co-host Robert Zirk.
1: On today's show, we're continuing to highlight the categories from Winnipeg's Vital Signs, and today's episode focuses on sustainability.
0: Today we're going to hear from a couple of the panelists uh, that are going to be at the Winnipeg Foundation's upcoming Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Building Belonging in Our City. There's an event taking place next month, and the event aims to ask and answer the question, what do you want Winnipeg to look like in 2030?
1: Up first, we'll speak with one of the panelists, Paul Jordan, CEO of the Forks North Portage Partnership, and we'll find out how the Forks is building belonging through sustainability.
0: Then we had the opportunity to sit down with Jamil Mahmood. He's the executive director of Spence Neighborhood Association. He shared his thoughts on building belonging and what the Spence Neighborhood Association is doing to make our communities better places.
1: Then we also had the opportunity to speak with Katrina Frays, Education Programs Coordinator for Fort Bite Alive. She had a ton of great stuff to say about their Slow the Flow Water Conservation Day events, and we'll learn more about how you can take part at home and win some great prizes.
0: And last but not least, we'll speak with Lorraine Bachand, one of the organizers of On the Docks, which is a design competition that's challenging Winnipeggers to reimagine the Alexander Docks.
1: We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360.
0: Hello and welcome to River City 360. River City 360. Did I say that right? Jeez. How are you, Robert? Welcome I'm back.
1: Feeling a little better than last week. You still? S- you. I can
0: still hear a little bit of a kind of a sinus thing. But
1: yeah, and I think that'll be a little obvious in some of the <laughs> stories we have. Uh, oh, it's today even worse. Yeah. From uh, yeah, a couple pre pre recorded interviews. Still battling the the hey, cold a little bit, but it's okay. Uh,
0: you're you're toughing out. You're toughing it out. You're back. You look great. So I mean, that's half the battle, right? Look great, sound great, feel great. Those are the trifecta? Yep. All Pretty three. Pretty much. Today's show is kind of a cool one. We're going to be, in the next couple weeks, promoting the next vital conversation that the Winnipeg Foundation is putting on. Uh, it's called Winnipeg in tw- Your Winnipeg in 2030, Building Belonging in Our City. So I'm going to pose the question to you, Robert, before we get into this. What do you want Winnipeg to look like in 2030?
1: I think a, a big thing would be to have the city be more sustainable. And um, as we'll kind of find out through uh, some of the interviews that we have uh, later on the show today, um, sustainability takes on, on many different forms, um, public transportation, um, and just imagining making public spaces uh, accessible and inclusive to, uh, to everyone.
0: I like it. I think yeah we just need more places more walkable places it seems like far too often especially downtown there's a there's tons of people in the tunnels but it'd be cool to have tons of people outside and free to walk you know to and fro and who knows what's gonna what what things are gonna look like in 2030 but i think a lot of open spaces would be a lot better of a start at least for the summer and spring and fall
1: and making spaces available year-round at You know, any time of the day and not just a place that you would only go, you know, once five o'clock rolls around. Well said. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, we want to hear your thoughts. Give us a call. What do you want the city, Winnipeg, to look like in 2030? It's kind of a cool thing to think about. Obviously, sustainability is important because if we don't focus on issues that are sort of happening right now or problems that we're going through right now. They're only going to get worse before 2030. So give us a call. Let's talk about what you want Winnipeg to look like in 2030. 204-944-9474, extension 360. We're going to kick off the show with a little bit of music. We have Paul Jordan, the CEO of the Forks North Portage Part- Partnership, coming in to talk about sustainability and how that pertains to the Forks. But we always kick things off with a song. So what, uh, what's up first, Robert?
1: Our first song today is When You're in Love by Frankie Lane, right here on River City 360. When you're in love.
2: When you're in love, life will be but a song. Heaven above, yours will be ever long. Your soul will be aflame. With madness you can't tame You tremble when you find Love is not blind When you're in love You'll know joy unsurpassed the magic of girl and boy yours at last and then each day will be like spring your heart will start to sing when you're in love The magic of girl and boy, yours at love.
1: back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today and I'm now joined by Paul Jordan. He is the CEO of the Forks North Portage Partnership and he'll be one of the panelists at the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Conversation called Your Winnipeg in 2030. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. When you think of sustainability, how do you envision a more sustainable Winnipeg and how how do you think that our public spaces can reflect that?
3: Well, I think sustainability is a loaded word. Uh, you need to look at all functions of sustainability including financial state sustainability, environmental sustainability, people sustainability. So it's something we work very hard at at the Forks. If any one of those things is offline, it doesn't work. So uh, sustainability means it has to be a people place, it has to be people want to go there and they will sustain it. Uh, that's uh, sort of the, the, the mantra that we're using.
1: There's multiple facets to it. It's not just one. It's not just thinking about one thing. But there's a number of considerations. Yeah.
3: If the financial sustainability is off, then you've got a problem. If uh, because somebody's got to come up with the money to make these things work and operate and build them in the first place, uh, and then if people don't come because you've done something wrong, well, then what's the point? And uh, if it's not environmentally sustainable, then you know we're just going to continue on with uh, the direction we're going. One of the uh,
1: one of the key findings in last year's uh, Winnipeg's Vital Signs report focused on the lines that divide, and and that can take on a variety of different forms. But I think in a geographical sense, you could consider the rivers as being some of those lines. Sometimes in the minds of Winnipeggers, and one thing that the Forks has been really proactive about is the idea. Of getting people to use the rivers again and getting people to come out, enjoy the rivers, and and come back to this idea as rivers connecting our communities rather right. than being sort of borders between communities. Can you can you kind of explain a little bit about why that's so important and and some of the specific ways that the forks has been moving toward that goal?
3: Well, it's a it's a mental shift. Uh, for the last hundred years, people have been looking at the rivers as dividers. They've been looking at them as back doors, as that kind of thing. Uh, we at the forks are looking them as how do you connect communities the way we used to. A uh, hundred years ago, in prehistory and thousands of years, people have been using those rivers to see each other, to visit, to meet, to trade, uh, all those kind of things. So it's uh, it's it, their rivers as dividers is actually a, a very short term, recent concept we're looking at the bigger picture now how do how do those rivers and how have those rivers uh, connected communities and we're in the, at the end of our last 10-year plan which is about building connections and the rivers are huge not only in the summer but in the winter as to how you can look at the city in a very very different way
1: and what are some of those specific ways the skating trail, for one, would be a major part of that. I would imagine. What are what are some of the other ways in which uh, in which the forks is really working to push the rivers as community connectors?
3: So, um, when you think of the river trail, uh, the winter river trail, it's the easiest way to conceptualize this. You, there are neighborhoods that are typically not connected that are connected by the frozen skating trail, and we'll see people from. So St. Vital and River Heights and Point Douglas, it, it, wherever we've put the trail, we'll suddenly see that community starting to show up at the Forks. So if you extend that into the summer, we're trying to do that with the water bus. Uh, you can hop on a bus in the Cordon Village and end up at the Forks, or you can take it to the Exchange or St. Boniface. Or, and it's just a different way of getting around. What we find is that if the Forks is this great meeting place where everybody congregates, then you you start to get communities that don't necessarily relate to each other talking to each other and and hanging out together and finding a different way of getting around the city, which is so much more, uh, it's so much prettier and it's so much more relaxing to use the rivers and it's also faster.
1: Absolutely, and I I even found that myself. Um, I I would take the water bus home sometimes from work. Yeah, and it's just why not? Because it's such a it's such a cool experience and right. getting and to often see the you're... city from such a different viewpoint.
3: Exactly, and often you're sitting on the bus and you're talking to other people. Like you actually get to meet other people and talk to them, and they've got different experiences. Where you know uh, we're, we're a single car so- uh, society, and and you, you don't do a lot of meeting other people in your car. Absolutely.
1: One really major long-term plan for the Forks is the development of Railside at the Forks. And I'm wondering if you can share more details about sort of the vision for Railside and, and, how it builds on these ideas of belonging and, and the Forks as, as a gathering place.
3: It's a little tricky in that we're actually putting a neighborhood into a meeting place. Uh, so it's um, I think there's a huge advantage to doing that. but it goes back to your initial question on sustainability. It's about what do you need to put in place so that people will actually live there uh, you can build a you can build a uh, you know a condo and if you don't have any services or you don't have any kind of village life, then, Really, uh, you could put it anywhere. But at the Forks, it's got to be part of this community. It's got to be part of this place. Uh, So we've been very careful, and we've been taking a long time to put this together. We've been talking to the people. uh, But I think it will be be a bit revolutionary in terms of what Winnipeg is used to, but it'll be an actual village that is created more or less along the lines of what you'd see in Europe. Why do you think that it's important to be having this vital conversation? And what are you hoping that people will take away from the conversation? Well, I think these conversations need to happen because there's only one thing that moves the world along and that's change. And if you're not talking about it, or if you think it's always going to be the same, then, you know, you'll go off very quickly because the world changes, whether you want to or not. And the way people talking to each other can help influence that change. And, um, you know, no one knows what the future is going to be exactly in 10 years, but this conversation can help precipitate the way, the direction it's going to go. And last but not least, What's your favorite thing about Winnipeg and what's one thing that you hope that Winnipeg can improve on by 2030? Well, my favorite thing about Winnipeg is also the thing I hate most about Winnipeg, and that's its isolation. Uh, It really is, uh, you know, a university professor and I did a study. Winnipeg is one of the most isolated cities on the planet. I think Perth, Australia is the only other one of over 500,000 people that is so isolated. So it really creates this creativity uh, in in Winnipegers, of which I've participated and watched and so it, it really is a it, it's interesting how uh, the city does things even though it doesn't really know it's not supposed to do that uh, so that's what really has and I've lived here my entire life that's what I'm looking forward to in the future I don't know which way it's going to go saying that I know it's going to be very authentic and it's going to be very Winnipeg well, thank you so much, Paul Jordan, CEO of the Forks
1: North Portage Partnership and uh, one of the panelists at the Foundation's Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030. That's happening in April. Thank you again so much for joining me today.
3: Thanks, Robert.
0: Thanks again to Paul Jordan for speaking with us today. Coming up after the break, we've got another another of the panelists that's going to be talking at the upcoming Vital Conversation, Jamil Mahmoud. He's going to be talking about Spence Neighborhood Association and what their approach is to sustainability here in Winnipeg. Uh, but before we get to Jamil, we will hear Linda Scott with I've Told Every Little Star right here on RC360.
4: Executive Director of Spence Neighborhood Association and panelist for the Winnipeg Foundation's vital conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030 Building Belonging in Our City. Welcome to the show, Jamil. Thank you for having me. To start it off, why do you think it's important to be having this vital conversation and what do you hope that people take away from this conversation?
5: Uh, I think it's essential that we are always dreaming and planning and i think that's what gets people most engaged in community i know from our perspective in the community uh the core of what we do is based on community five-year plans we develop each five years with our neighborhood and talking to all the residents and developing that so we have those conversations in the community all the time but it's nice to have a bigger and broader conversation with many different perspectives i think it only helps to build and grow the imagination and and our vision for what our city can be
4: when you think of sustainability, how do you
5: envision a more sustainable Winnipeg, and how can our neighborhoods reflect that? Uh, yeah, we think I think about sustainability a lot, and for me, it's about sustainability for, for people, and, and often the lowest-income people, and how do we make their lives sustainable and, and the community they live in sustainable. So for us, it's things like... How do we get people safe, affordable housing? How do we keep that housing uh, in good shape? How do we maintain that? And how do we uh, keep the community function together? Our communities are only as strong as the people that live in them, right? So uh, sustainability comes a lot to how do we address our biggest challenges, like poverty, um, you know, all those issues, violence, safety, all those things that grow out of poverty and, and root causes. We have to be always looking at how we address that to be, how do we sustain and, and create a vision for the future?
4: Absolutely. Uh, sustainability is more than just one thing, it's it almost never ending the amount of things that sustainability covers in that umbrella. Um, I actually recently had an opportunity to uh, speak with Allison Basel uh, from Spence Neighborhood Association, who is the Building Belonging Activity Coordinator, if I'm correct. Again, you guys are doing some really great stuff towards building belonging with our youth. Uh, what are some other ways that SNA is helping build sustainability in our community?
5: Uh, Yeah, I mean, for us, all of our youth programming has been built off that concept of building belonging. So we started with one program called Building Belonging, (laughs) uh, you know, 20 years ago, and now it's grown into nine different youth programs. uh, And everything is based on that same thing. How do we build that connection and sense of belonging for people in our community? So beyond youth program, we do, you know, we have community gardens, we have uh, housing programs, we have all that. And it's all focused on that same idea of how do we make everyone feel like they belong in our community. And Uh, the way we grow that through what we do is through planning and through listening to residents and hearing what they want to see and and making that happen.
4: Working at the Spence Neighborhood Association, uh, you get to spend time with the community and really see growth firsthand. Uh, What are some neat things that you see happening in the community that helps to build sustainability in our city?
5: Uh, For me, it's always the awesome power of when you give people a small opportunity and see it grow. So, like, you know, Garden's a good example. We We started with just some empty lots put some garden beds in there and wash it grow. And now we have 13 community gardens, uh, hundreds of garden beds. And in within that, community members are making art. They're doing all these things. We have this great program called uh, Community Small Grants where we can give uh, small uh, grants to people up to $5,000 to do community uh, developments, capacity building, sustainable work. And so some people use it to throw block parties. Other people use it for art installations. It's just like a little pot of money that allows people to make their creative ideas come to happen. And that's always what amazed me stuff. I would never think of stuff. I never dream of is happening. And I'm like, that's so cool. Cause it's out of what I was thinking. And, uh, and you see it pop up and then it just becomes a part of your neighborhood.
4: Exactly. One small idea can grow to be such a huge thing, especially with all the people in the community. You kind of just feed off of each other, right? At a grassroots level, what are some of the ways people can contribute to a Winnipeg that can help them build a community of belonging and help them feel like they're part of the big picture?
5: Uh, I think just getting out and walking around your neighborhood is step one. And then from there, identifying things you want to change or want to see different or want to add or want to build on i think that's the best part for us uh we look at a we crime prevention through environmental design or SEPTED approach to kind of some of our safety challenges um and so what we do for that is we get residents and we walk up and down every street and every back lane and just identify things that you know an area of low lighting an area where there may be some some bulky waste dumped or stuff like that and then we can then we can take those data back saying okay so like Let's do a small lighting project or let's do a fencing project or, you know, let's let's put art in this area to brighten it up. Right. So just walking around your neighborhood, you can start identifying those things right away. And then I think getting together with your neighbors and planning on how you can solve that. I mean, these, some of these solutions don't res, don't involve the need of like millions of dollars. They can just be residents getting together and coming up with cool ideas and a little thing like putting up a chalkboard wall or, you know, a little little piece of community art or, you know, brightening up a, a dilapidated fence. You know, things like that can go a long way. And I think that's how you start really getting involved in your neighborhood.
4: Yeah, that's really interesting. When I walk around my uh, neighborhood, I'll look at something and go, well, that's the city's problem, right? But really, it is our problem because it is our community. And that's a really cool concept. What's your favorite thing about Winnipeg? And what's one thing you hope Winnipeg can improve on by 2030?
5: Uh, My favorite thing about Winnipeg is uh, the passion people have in the community and and everywhere, not just in my community, all over the place. People care about Winnipeg in a way that is amazing. And I think uh, I think the thing that I always love about Winnipeg is every problem seems solvable. It seems like the solution. We're not too big that it's beyond anyone's scope or anyone's vision. So I always love that that all the challenges we see in this community and in our city, they're all things we can solve if we figure out ways to work together, plan together, build together, and, and make investments where we can have the most impact on our community, right? So that for me is always the thing is that, you know, I look at larger cities and it seems daunting. In Winnipeg, it always seems like there's hope and there's an opportunity to, to make really cool things happen that make our city better. And I think that's the great, greatest part is that there's no end to that vision. And, and the end is that Winnipeg will be the best city ever.
4: Thank you once again for taking the time to speak with us today, Jamil uh, before I let you go, is there anything you would like to add?
5: Uh, yeah, I just want to say that everyone should be involved in this stuff there's not like doesn't matter what your job is doesn't matter like you know where your where your passions or whatever lie there's a way for you to be involved in making Winnipeg better and so uh, we know that we have great people here and now we need to make our, our city streets and communities reflect how great the people are and I think that's where our major deficit is is Driving through Winnipeg or walking around, you don't necessarily see how great Winnipeg is. And once you meet people, you you realize that. And so I think if we can make our physical infrastructure reflect the beauty of the people here, then we're set. Thank
4: you again.
1: Thanks, Sunny. And thanks very much, Jamil Mahmood from Spence Neighborhood Association for joining us today. And if you'd like to hear more from Jamil and learn more about sustainability in Winnipeg, stay tuned to River City 360 uh, during the upcoming weeks, as we'll tell you about the Winnipeg Foundation's upcoming vital conversation called Your Winnipeg in 2030, Building Belonging in Our City. It's taking place on Tuesday, April 3rd at uh, the University of Winnipeg Richardson uh, College for the Environment. Uh, That's at 599 Portage Avenue, I believe. And, uh, it's going to be a great conversation. There are four different panelists who bring uh, some very different diverse perspectives to the table, talking about sustainability in our city and what how we can sort of build belonging through our buildings, through our public spaces, through our built environment. Um, it'll be a really interesting conversation, and we're hoping to get a lot of different takes from Winnipeggers from all walks of life. So we'd love to have you there as well. And you can visit winnipegvitalsigns.org for more information on that. Again, that's happening Tuesday, April 3rd at uh, the UW uh, College, Richardson College for the Environment.
0: Coming up next, we'll speak with Katrina Fraze, Education Programs Coordinator at Fort White Alive. She's going to tell us about their dedication to sustainability, obviously, and their upcoming Slow the Flow Water Conservation Day events. But first, talking about water conservation, how about Still Waters Run Deep by Brooke Benton right here on River City 360.
2: As we walk along and I hold her hand, I may never even speak. But my love is strong and she understands. Still waters run deep. Still waters run deep. Like the mountain tall. Reaching for the sky, my love reaches silently, and my eyes it shows, and my darling knows. Oh, still waters run deep. Still waters run deep. She don't need to hear all the. In her heart she knows I would die for her, if it had to be, so we walk along, and I hold her hand, though we hardly even speak, I'm a lucky man, cause she understands, Still waters run deep, still waters run deep. She don't need to hear all those pretty words repeated endlessly. hardly even speak. I'm a lucky man cause she understands. And still what is run deep? Still what is
6: run deep?
4: Welcome back to River City 360. Today on our show, we have Katrina Fraze, Education Coordinator from Fort White Alive, to talk about Slow the Flow Water Conservation Day. Welcome to the show, Katrina.
7: Hi, uh, happy to be here. Slow the
4: Flow Water Conservation Day will be taking place March 17th between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Uh, Slow the Flow looks to be jam packed full of activities. Um, one of the cool things to check out is the watershed table. For those who don't know, what is a watershed table and what will be happening with that? Uh,
7: So on uh, March 17th, we have uh, Candy Bestie from the Manitoba Eco Network, and she is coming down with her watershed table. So it's basically a model um, that shows how water flows over the land. Um, So she'll use... uh, some different, uh, she uses drink crystals actually to stand in for pollutants on the landscape and she'll place them in different places and then uh, you get to participate by adding water to the table uh, and seeing where it flows and uh, how things end up in the lake. So that's the the basics of it Uh, and she'll also have information for people about um, different questions they might have about water issues in Manitoba
4: yeah that's so cool like i've actually seen one of those live myself and the amount of pollution that just spreads out of like this little thing it's so crazy um As a kid, and even to this day, I used to love scaled models, and uh, by seeing how pollution affects our water, using a watershed is a great way to show how it all works. Mm -hmm. Another fun thing happening during Slow the Flow is an opportunity to take part in some crafts that can help you conserve water, uh, where you can even take home a complimentary home water conservation item for attending. What's this about?
7: Uh, Well, we'll have from 1 to 3 p.m. craft on going on here at Fort White. Uh, We have uh, volunteers present that will help kids and adults alike to decorate their very own shower timer. So Mm. uh, showers are one of the bigger water users in everyone's house, and everyone can do their part to help conserve water by you know, spending maybe about a minute less in the shower or maybe more than that less, depending on how long your shower normally is. Um, So we have five-minute timers that uh, they can put on to this this, uh, shower head hook that we've developed, and they can decorate them up with whatever messaging they want to put on there for their family. Um, So that'll be a a fun thing to participate in. Um, And then families can go home with uh, a take-home challenge, if they wish, to uh, check their homes for Uh, water leaks. And uh, I can explain a little bit more about that as well, if you like.
4: Yeah, most definitely. With the shower timers, I know you said that you can give up to five minutes, but what would you say is the recommended uh, amount of time that someone be taking a shower for?
7: Um, Well, the recommendation is a five-minute shower, um, but understandably different people have different needs. uh, For uh, those with very long hair, that sometimes takes a little bit longer, Um, so the five-minute shower timer is is the goal, uh, but what we say to people who visit here, um, kids and adults alike, is start where you're at and uh, any reduction from where you're at uh, at the moment is is helpful so if you know if you're taking a 15 minute shower maybe next week try a 14 minute shower and just see how that goes for you and maybe you can slowly uh, work your way down to using a bit less water
4: absolutely for those interested in the sciences fort white alive has a science club and from what i hear the science club will be a water theme during the water conservation day what can people expect
7: uh, well, our science club is um, is a growing uh, program that we have here at Fort White. It is for uh, kids, uh, and our presenter, uh, his name is Danielle. He does uh, the morning of the science club in English, and the afternoon in French. Okay. Um, Uh, When he offers Science Club, he has a different theme that he works on with the kids that attend and often uh, their projects extend from week to week. So they'll start something one time, they'll complete it another time. Um, That's something that parents can register uh, their kids for on the Fort White website. Um, And this go-around, because it is our Water Conservation Day, he's going to be working on uh, concepts around water pollution uh, and watersheds as well. So it'll connect really well with the whole day experience at Fort White.
4: Very neat. Uh, from my understanding, pre-registration is required for the Science Club, correct?
7: Yes, that's correct.
4: And when do people have to register by, and how old do you need to be to uh, join?
7: Um, for Science Club, it happens, uh, it doesn't happen every week. Um, the recommended age would be nine and older, uh, for the kids attending that. Um, I think you you can pre-register at any time. Um, you go onto our website and uh, you can find the registration link for the Fort White Science Club there.
4: And you did mention earlier about uh, Take Home Challenge. It's also on your blog post there. Uh, and you can yeah. actually win prizes for this. Um, that's right. Could you tell me about the Family Leak Detector Challenge?
7: Yeah, that's right. So... Uh, We are making uh, water conservation fun. Um, So the Family Leak Detector Challenge uh, is uh, laid out for you very well. your goal, What your task is as a family is to check your home for leaks in toilets, taps, and showers, um, and then fix those leaks uh, to save water and money. And When you share your results with Fort White, uh, you're entered to win uh, a Fort White Alive rain barrel or another prize including a Fort White Alive family membership. Um, also just for participating, any family that participates will receive a Fort White shower timer. So it's a little bit fancier than the ones we're making mm-hmm. at the craft time Um, and so it's ongoing all through March and the deadline for entry is the 31st of March. Um, So this is open only to Winnipeg residents um, but it's a great way to to learn how to keep an eye on your household appliances and make sure uh, that you're not wasting water and losing money on uh, leaks that are happening in your home. So uh, there's a very easy-to-follow worksheet that shows you how to go step-by-step through uh, checking toilets, faucets, and showers, and also uh, checking your water meter to make sure that there's no leaks that you are missing.
4: Awesome. And all that information can be found on your website?
7: That's right. Uh, So... If you are looking on our event page for March 17th for the Water Conservation Day, you'll find a link there to the Family Leak Detector Challenge blog post, which you can use to to enter.
4: That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Slow the Flow seems to be a real great event, and I really encourage all our listeners to check it out. I would like to again thank Katrina Fraze, Education Coordinator for Fort White Alive, for taking the time to speak with us. But before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to add?
7: Um, I'd just like to uh, add that uh, our programming that we do around water conservation at Fort White is supported by the City of Winnipeg Water and Waste Department, so uh, there are our partners in uh, helping Winnipeggers to learn how to conserve water.
4: Thank you again, Katrina.
7: Uh, you're welcome.
1: Welcome back to River City 360, Robert and Nolan here with you today. Nolan, uh, so last week on the program, you chatted with Norma Alberg from Stone, from Stone Soup, from the Child Nutrition Council of Manitoba. And uh, the Stone Soup event happened yesterday, and mm-hmm. we both had the chance to uh, to attend. Um, and as we do every year that we uh, that we attend, we like to, to kind of chat about some of our favorite soups from the day. So uh, which one I'll... Send the question off to you. Which one was your favorite?
0: I don't... Yeah, hmm, that's a tough one. Um, 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 It was great to see everyone yesterday. Saw Norma and a couple of the volunteers and some friends. It's always a really great event. I think that there was a chipotle corn chowder. That was the first soup that I tried of the six soups that I <laughs> got to taste and uh i think that was the one that took it it had a nice little spice to it it was very delicious chipotle is always a good flavor little specks of bacon so you can't really go wrong there what about you
1: you know what i have to uh make it unanimous that one <sighs> was my two. favorite as well they were um, so good that was by uh, 17 wing mm. um and uh yeah amazing flavor just the right level of spiciness uh, really delicious, but uh, the other soups that I tried, um, you know, were definitely very close. It was all good as well. Every yeah, single one I fantastic had, fantastic soups. From uh, there was a maple um, maple bacon pea soup mm. that I had, um, as well as sort of a cauliflower. Um, not sure if it would be was a chowder from, or from Brazenhall. From Brazenhall, yeah, Hall. that, was, yeah, really that was a really good one as well. So. Uh, Congratulations, uh, again, to the uh, Child Nutrition Council on a great event, and uh, hopefully a lot of money was raised um, for nutrition programs at Manitoba schools. It's a great event uh, supporting a very great cause, and uh, we hope to... uh hope to see it again and uh, attend it again next year
0: definitely we will be there for sure up next we're going to share our conversation with laureen bachand of on the docks which is a design competition where locals are going to be challenged to reimagine the alexander docks Uh, really interesting conversation coming up next but before we get to that how about i cover the waterfront with Artie shaw right here on river city 360.
1: back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Lorraine Bachon. She is with Number 10 Architectural Group, and she's one of the organizers of a contest called On the Docks. Lorraine, thank you so much for joining me today.
8: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: On the Docks is a competition basically seeking ideas for the Alexander Docks that are located off of Waterfront Drive. Can you give us a little bit of historical context about the Alexander Docks and... And sort of how did the idea for On the Docks as a competition come about?
8: So if I start with how we came up with uh, with this idea is uh, Aaron Pollock, who's organizing this event as well with me. Uh, we always have our lunch uh, in the summertime on the taxi dock, which is a uh, south side of the Alexander docks. And that's where you get one of the nicest view of the Alexander docks. We complained for a couple months uh, saying how quite ugly the docks are really. And we decided after a couple months of complaining that, well, we should do something about it. And that's where the competition came from. And as for the history of the site, the Alexander docks used to be quite a, a big hub for uh, commercial traffic, and but also for pleasure boats and uh, cruise ships and smaller boats. It was purchased in 1929 by the federal government to a private company. And uh, la- if we skip a couple of years, in uh, 2015, there was ma- major structural damage to the docks due to uh, ice. And the city of Winnipeg, who is now the owner of the site, had to close it for public safety, basically. So since 2015, not not much has happened. More recently, it's been known for the tragic discovery of Tina Fontaine's body as well. So it has kind of a, a difficult past, if I could say it that way.
1: And so here comes On the Docks, which is uh, which is a competition to get ideas on how uh, how to really revitalize that. Because it's kind of interesting, the area all around the docks has really been developed and so it's out of place to see this it's kind of an eyesore at the the moment and it's it's so out of place with what's going on around so it makes sense for that area to be put to a, a little bit better use than sort of the empty space that it is now for On The Docs, who can participate in the contest and, and what are some of the criteria for the entries? So we
8: hope to see submissions really from everybody. We hope that school children will get some submissions. We also hope that the design community will respond to our competition. Uh, we also sent it to the other province and we sent it to a designer's website internationally. So we hope to get a really broad response but really the local community is our biggest target. So if you have an idea, please submit it. Uh, people just have to um, visit our website. It's onthedocs.org. All the uh, details uh, related to the competition is on the website. You can download on the website an 11 by 17 submission board. On that board, there's a little outline of the site and people can draw their ideas directly on that board. It is a drawing competition, but uh, we don't evaluate the quality of the drawing but rather the quality of the idea and the creativity that people come up with.
1: Okay, so it's really any idea can be put on the table sort of thing. It's not a matter of, oh, I have to have a, a detailed sort of plan no, in no. place or anything like that or financial stuff. It's just what what would you like to see there if you could have anything there sort of thing? Right. I'm wondering if you can expand a little bit more on what the submissions will be evaluated on. And perhaps you could talk a little bit about who are some of the jurors that will help decide the winner, because there are some pretty notable names in the, uh, in the lineup on the jury.
8: Right, we're quite excited about our dream uh, panel. There's uh, five members uh, that were selected because we wanted a really multidisciplinary panel. We didn't want to have just architects or just designers. And there are people also that have been really involved with the development of our waterfront. So we have Paul Jordan at the Forks, we have uh, Zephira Von who created the Design Quarter Winnipeg. We have David Pensado, at the, who's the CEO of the, actually the actually new CEO of the Exchange District Biz. We also have Dan Lett at the Winnipeg Free Press. And we have also uh, Mike Pactakan, who's the local councillor at Point Douglas Ward.
1: What are some of the things that the judges will be looking for specifically when it comes to the idea? What are some of the key points that people should consider if they're thinking about putting forth an entry?
8: So uh, there is a couple of criteria, again, that are listed on our website. They're pretty broad. It's really creativity and uh, ingenuity and things like that. I could say what is not being evaluated. uh, We're not gonna evaluate, like I said, the quality of the drawing. We're not gonna evaluate the affordability of the idea we're not going to evaluate the possibility of creating the of uh, building the idea with the site constraints so it's a complex site uh, that has high flood lines the, there's the um, the city aqueduct that's crossing the site as well there's a lot of underground services but we don't expect people to take that into consideration there's also three things that we will encourage but not necessarily um, force on the participants if i could say there's the uh, adaptability to seasonal Activities, So, you know, a, just for example, the forks, how active it is in the winter as well as summer. There's, there's something great about that and how to use our river throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be that. And uh, we also encourage a memorial for the missing and uh, murdered Indigenous women. Again, this is not forced on anybody. We, we really want people to come up with the ideas that they feel is important. And if a memorial is, then they're definitely encouraged to submit it. And we also want to encourage the uh, connection to the waterfront. So activities that promote uh, citizens going back to their river.
1: The submission deadline for ideas is April 24th. It is. And then about a month later, there is an event and exhibition happening on May 25th. They'll feature the winning idea and some of the other ideas, I'm sure. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, about that event?
8: So this is one thing we're trying to do different than the typical design competition. On May 25th at the Muir Hotel, there'll be a public exhibition, free to come, open to everybody. And uh, the idea is that we, we want to present all the ideas that were submitted. Typically in design competitions, you get to see the, the ten best or just the, the winners, but we really want everybody to have their voice heard and, uh, and include everybody. So there will be this that exhibition uh, May 25th, but also after that we'll have a mobile exhibition traveling to the Forks and also to the Manitoba uh, Concert Hall.
1: Once the competition has concluded, what will happen with the winning entry? Is that something that might actually be put forth to the city as an actual idea? Will they get to work with other people to kind of work out the idea? What, what are some of the plans uh, that might be in place for the winning entry?
8: So the city has not committed to, to anything right now, but we've been in contact with them. Uh, we've also released one uh, in 2017, the city um, hired the forks to do a public consultation about the development of the, f- the docs. So the city has agreed that we release this public uh, consultation on our website. So they're aware of what's going on and, are, and what we intend to do is take all the submissions and a little bit like a petition, send them to the city and hope that they will understand there's something going on the community is involved and they want something happening on that site
1: so even though there's no guarantees at least with something like this there's a case for this is what the public wants right because right. this is actually something that was solicited through a, a completely open call and from the public's own ideas
8: and i think having mike paktakian the local counselor as one of our dream member helps uh, you know, promoting the city trying to take action in the future years.
1: What are you hoping that people who participate will get out of this competition?
8: Well, I hope that uh, on the design community side, I hope that it will promote the value of design a little bit more to the broader community. Uh, The design community has a tendency to be a little bit more enclosed and uh, do their own little events. We're hoping to reach a little bit more people this way. And on the other side, on the community side, I hope people will see that First of all, this was something that Aaron and I started on our own kind of citizen wheel. And I hope people will see, well, there's a a way to be involved. There's ways to make change to our city and be part of a solution. It takes a lot of time to get things to move, but it has to start somewhere. And I hope people will see that as a positive thing for the city.
1: So if you have an idea for the Alexander Docks, a way to make it better, a way to redevelop it, even if it's just an idea... Go to onthedocs.org and uh, consider entering it in the on the Docs competition.
8: If I can add just one thing, uh, people can also uh, participate there. We have submission box located at the Forks and at Fort Cafe and uh, the one at the Forks will stay for the entire time of the competition. So people can submit directly there, I have a coffee or a beer and just draw their ideas and submit it at the box there.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much again, Lorraine Bachan from Number 10 Architectural Group and from the On the Docks competition for joining me today.
8: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Robert.
1: We've
0: got time for some more music before we send you on your way today. So uh, how about a little Bill Withers with Lean on Me right here on River City 360. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, We really appreciate your time and we appreciate everyone's conversation that stopped in to talk with us today.
1: If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org Again, that's rivercity360.org
0: River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation. In partnership with 93.7 cjnu
1: and we'd love to hear your feedback about the program uh give us a call you can even request a song or suggest a topic for a future show or uh let's go back to our question from earlier on in the program what do you want winnipeg to look like in 2030 and what 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 is sort of your idea of a sustainable winnipeg what do you want your winnipeg to look like in the future uh, give us a call with your comments. We would love to hear your feedback. Uh, again, the phone number is 204 944 9474 extension 360. Again, 204 944 9474 extension 360.
0: You can also contact us through Twitter or through Facebook by searching at River City 360 on the Twitter machine or just search River City 360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City 360.
1: And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.